0: The Energy Gang is brought to you by Sola, a top manufacturer and supplier of clean energy equipment, including solar modules, inverters, energy storage, and efficient lighting. With 40 worldwide subsidiaries, the company offers one-stop shopping for all your equipment needs with next-day delivery. You can see the entire list of Renasola's offerings available coast to coast at renasola.us. <laughs> For the week of May 27th, 2015, this is the Energy Gang from Green Tech Media. I'm Stephen Lacey in Washington, D.C. I'm a senior editor with Green Tech Media. Welcome all. This week the gang is off, we are all traveling. So in place of the regular podcast, we've got some supplemental content for you. In this episode, we feature a debate from our solar summit in Phoenix, Arizona last month. The motion, should regulated utilities be allowed to own and rate-based residential solar? It is a very controversial issue, and that's the reason why we tried to grapple with it. Shale Khan, our senior VP of GTM Research and periodic co-host on this show, took the stage with me to hash out the issue. Enjoy the debate.
1: So as Tom mentioned in the last session, many utilities are already invested in distributed generation through their unregulated arms. We're setting that aside. We're saying, should the utilities who are regulated monopolies in their own territories be allowed to own and rate-based residential solar? And as you can see in one of the slides that I presented earlier, we've seen very little of this historically in the US. We've seen a little bit more on the commercial side. In the residential side, it's become a hot-button issue largely because of Arizona, where we are here, where both uh, APS and TEP, two utilities here, have proposed and ultimately had approved scaled-back programs to do exactly that, own and rate-based residential solar, and earn their regulated rate of return. So it's happened just a couple of times so far, but we expect to see more utilities proposing it. We know utilities are thinking about it and would certainly like to do it. So the question is, should we allow them to do it? And we're excited to have this debate because I think it's one that's going to be happening in regulatory venues throughout the country over the course of the next few years.
0: Yeah. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. It's going to be pretty fast-paced, and we're going to try to cram this into 30 minutes. So we're going to have opening statements from the contestants, They'll, uh, Lon Huber will have three minutes to give his opening statement. And then Court Rich will have two minutes for a cross-examination. He'll get to ask him anything he likes, and uh, hopefully we'll get a few questions in and try to poke holes in each other's arguments. Then Court will get three minutes for his opening statement. Lon will get two minutes uh, to cro- for cross-examination. And then we go into question and answer, where Shale Khan, the inquisitor, We'll uh, ask questions and try to flesh out areas that are incomplete. And uh, I may jump in with some questions myself. And then we'll wrap up with three minutes of closing statements. So let's meet our contestants. Contestant number one, he likes protecting ratepayers and long walks on the beach. <laughs> no, uh, Lon Huber, is uh, he formerly worked for Arizona's Ratepayer Advocate. And he recently moved over to Stratagen, where he is director of the utility and government practice there. And he is arguing for the motion. That yes, utilities should be allowed to own uh, regulated utilities should be allowed to own and rate base residential solar. Lon, thanks for being here. Thank you. And on the other side of the issue, arguing against the motion is Court Rich. He is a senior partner with the Rose Law Group, and uh, he works with Task and represents solar companies on these issues in Arizona. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Good to see thanks. you. Okay, so let's begin. Uh, we are starting off with you, Lon. You have three minutes
2: to argue your case. Great. <clears throat> well, I want to first start off by saying thank you to GTM for hosting this debate. I'm happy to be a contestant. I hope I, <laughs> I, there's a prize at the end of this for me. Um, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be at the, the Grand Wigwam Hotel here. Um, and I've got a, a worthy adversary here with court, so thank you court for for debating me here. I don't know how wise it is for an MBA to debate a seasoned lawyer, especially one with the the first name Court and the last name Rich, but (laughs) I'll I'll give it my best shot. So in brief, my position is simple. Regulated utilities should be allowed to own residential solar to the degree that aligns with local market conditions and policy goals. If there are underserved markets, R&D aims or economic base goals, then the scope of the participation should be adjusted accordingly. In other words, the utilities involved should be confined to the objectives that the regulators and stakeholders set for them. So I intend to lay out my argument as such. Number one, there's nothing in principle, morally or otherwise, that suggests that a regulated utility should never own a customer-sided solar. Number two, if there is no intrinsic, intrinsic reason to deny utilities the possibility of owning rooftop generation, then it must be a matter of degree and design of their involvement. So if the details of market participation are what determine how um, and why a u- regulated utility participates, then it is up to state and local communities to decide where and how to put the boundaries on something that is – not inherently wrong in and of itself. In certain cases, utility ownership may not make sense. However, in other cases, it can lead to more choice, more savings for non-solar participants, and more actionable data. So we're already up with time.
3: All right. So Lon, let me ask you this. We'll start out. How on earth could it possibly be fair for a regulated utility to compete against the private industries within its own service territory? You've got a, a, a company that's been, you know, on the backs of ratepayers has made its name for itself over hundred years. Its signs are on everything. If it's any, you know, if, if your community is like ours, everywhere you go you see the utility sign, the basketball game at the park. How can that competition possibly be fair?
2: <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because your clients make their living on saying to jump away from the evil utility and how much people hate their own incumbent utility. But aside from that, if you structure their participation correctly and you have guardrails in place, you can have a situation where they don't monopolize the market and private industry is able to flourish alongside the utility. So I think that it can be done. I, I think um, there's, there's a set of
3: policies that you can put in place to really ensure that you have a vibrant marketplace. But you've got to agree there's totally perverse incentives, right? If, imagine you're just in a marketplace and you have the power to raise your competitors' prices to give yourself an, a leg up. This is what the utilities can do. Sure. Sure. They can go in and they can set policies to make it much more difficult for the private solar installer than it is for them. Uh, how do you deal with that? You so, can't, right? So there's
2: a, well, there's a few things, and I think you can. So first, and this is a policy I got, passed in Arizona here, where there's a cost parity principle, which means the revenue requirement of the utility's asset can be no more than the revenue shift caused by third-party net metering-based systems. So if they switch up the game, they also have to take that hit. So they don't have a blank check in all this. The second thing is, let's be aware of what type of marketplace we're operating in. This isn't, you know, a bubblegum and tennis shoe type free market court. This is a a regulated system where there's really little free market principles at play. What you're saying is, we have our own lane, but that lane is on a state highway. You can't just all of a sudden have a free market blossoming in this electricity sector. It's it's full of different types of regulations and compensation structures, and everybody's connected. So if somebody buys a, you know, a washer and dryer or something, the, their neighbor isn't impacted by that. But if somebody goes solar, there's, some, there's revenue shifts and there's different things that impact your neighbor. And in that sense, it's certainly not a free
0: market. Well, if I want to cut off there. We had an issue with the timer, but the, t- the two minutes is up. And, uh, Court, you get to argue your case for the next three minutes.
3: Great. All right. So I brought a, a prop. I, um, I, I probably couldn't get up here. You know, my monopolist friend over here, Lon, I was going to bring, like, a I monocle a and a top hat and stuff for him. But I brought – you You might be able to see it. Here's one of those little greenhouses from Monopoly. You can put it there. And, and the wheelbarrow, which was always my favorite, my favorite prop. So we'll put those there for you. Um, but I, I think what – what we need to look at is, is how on earth, like, why would this possibly be a fair scenario? Like, why do we have utilities the way we have them today? Well, through time, it didn't make sense for a bunch of people to go out, a bunch of different companies, and build a giant power plant in the desert and hundreds of miles of utility uh, transmission lines and a distribution structure to get uh, power, you know, to, to all of us and to, to provide reliable services. That made sense... For people to protect that investment, it really had to be one or very few uh, people that companies that would provide that service. So over time, we had this monopoly structure develop. But when I look, I see in rooftop solar in Arizona over the last few years, and for example in APS's service territory, there have been well over 50 different companies that have installed 10 or more rooftop solar systems on residential consumers' homes. Nothing about that cries out for the need of some special... Uh, relationship, some special kind of uh, company that, that we guarantee their profits and their investment, uh, and, and we guarantee them a customer base, it's, it's not needed. It is a fully competitive market, and there's no need to inject an in anti-competitive uh, monopoly utility into that market. If they want to get into it on their own dime, in an unregulated arm, like many have, then they should go for it. Um, they have so many unfair advantages. They've got... First of all, they have a relationship with every single possible customer. They already have the relationship. The hardest thing in rooftop solar is is customer acquisition. Well, they've got it. They, they know who it could most benefit. They know who the big energy users are because they send them the bill each month. Um, again, they've... For 100 years, they've been advertising on our basketball stadiums, our parks, our schools with money that we've all paid for them uh, to do that with. And how on earth... Is a private company supposed to k- compete with that? They can't. There's no, you know, guardrails and unicorns. Whatever you want to do, none of them are real or going to work in this situation. you have got about thirty seconds left. Um, so, so I think, I, I, well, I can leave it at that because I'm, I'm winning right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and just to keep. Andy got more we, time at uh, so Some that issues helps. with the timer,
0: so I'll be keeping time down here. So don't worry about what's on the screen here. Uh, the two minutes is yours. Sure. Gather your wheelbarrow
2: and house and. Are you yeah, to ask questions? yeah. Thank you. I thought they'd be gold from, from your firm, but I guess they're just <laughs> tin and plastic. Um, so I, let, let's let's talk about this court because um, you know you, you say like guaranteed profit, and I mean if if utilities had guaranteed profit for everything, I mean why are there so
3: few AAA rated or AA rated utilities out there? Are you arguing that they don't have a rate of return that's guaranteed by the government? That, that no, when you go but, through a rate case a process, the I
2: opportunity don't. to earn and guaranteed, regardless of anything, that it doesn't make sense to me. Like, so okay,
3: if you're, do, a PPA do you know provider, any private
2: companies that have that situation? So would you go to a PPA provider and would you say, oh hey, you know, uh, would it be fine for regulators to say, well you know what, we don't want your PPA anymore? Just you know, just go off, go off and and you know, sell to someone else. Like, no, you, there has to be some market certainty in an electric industry. And so you have prudency checks. And to say that they have guaranteed profit is, is I mean, it's a diss to every regulator and consumer advocate out there. Because why do they
3: show up for work if everything's guaranteed? I was checks. trying to diss you. <laughs> well, you want to diss regulators, too, on the record? No, I, okay. I, but, but, I mean, the, the, the structure is different. Come on. It's, it's much different when you're operating a utility. Their cost of capital is going to be lower. They have a lot of advantages that just a startup, you know, a lot of these companies are, it's a, it's a startup company that's gotten into this business. I mean, the world is changing around us that you guys are talking about it all morning. That's a lot different uh, than the business proposition that it, a regulated utility has. So you're has. saying a utility gets seconds. a
2: small slice of
3: the market and that's going to kill all the startups? No, I'm saying it's a completely <laughs> unfair advantage. There's no need for it, and, and there's no reason to inject them into the market.
2: There's, there's certainly reason, and there's, there's need. There's no competition to give the best deal to non-participating ratepayers. payers. The private sector competes to get to the best deal for the participating customer, but there's nothing for the non-participant. So if the utility can do it cheaper with their revenue requirement, why would we, why would we say no to, to allowing that up? You- so- All right,
0: that's time up, and now we have... 10 minutes for Shale to jump in here and ask any questions that he wants to.
1: Yeah, I want to start by, I know we, we shortchanged you a little bit of timeline at the opening statement, so I'll give you uh,
2: 30 seconds or so to make one more point if you'd like. <laughs>
3: okay. Um, That's a good one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let me, let me jump around. Uh, okay, so I, I think, let me just go over some of the, the guardrails I think you can put in place to, to make sure that there is a, a level playing field. So one, that that cost parity principle. Two, I think that you can focus the utility to serve uh, underserved markets that n- are not optimally suited for third-party providers. I think there should be a transparent sharing of non-confidential information. So if there's a s- certain part on the grid that is more beneficial, there's some, there's some sharing there, um, perhaps like a, a, distri- a distributed heat map type of, of approach. Uh, there has to be fair interconnection policies for third-party providers, so you can't have the utility block them off. Um, and then, finally, I would say it, their participation is is shaped by the economic incentives of the regulator. And you can shape not only the program, but how the utility interacts with the private market by looking at what economic disincentives and incentives the incumbent utility has.
1: Okay. So let me see if I can uh, encapsulate both of your positions here and tell me if I'm correct or not correct. Lon, your position is basically... Utilities should be allowed, regulated utilities should be allowed to own rate-based residential solar as long as you put the right restrictions in place and that they are serving a grid need or an underrepresented market need. Right. Correct. And, Court, your position is regulated utilities should never be allowed to own and rate-based residential solar in their territory. Is that Correct. correct? Okay, so the distinction there is around, uh, I think, two things, you know, grid need and underrepresented markets. So, Court, let me sort of pinpoint that for you. First of all, the underrepresented markets. Like, do you agree that currently there is a portion of the populace that basically can't
3: go solar because they can't finance it? Sure, but, but I, I mean, solar is relatively new, right? And we've driven down costs considerably. It's It's imminently more available to people today, if I go on and search you know the, the multiple listing service here in Arizona where they show you the houses that are for sale you can sort by solar you can find fifty eighty hundred thousand dollar homes all over the state that have solar on them that are for sale we, you have to give the um, it 's not a market failure yet this is still a developing market so you know Everyone couldn't have a cell phone before. We didn't ask the government to step in and make sure everyone could have them. Utilities are not in the social welfare business to make sure everyone has the latest technology as soon as humanly possible.
1: Yeah, but I think the question is not, are utilities doing this because, for the better good of humanity, clearly, if utilities are going to do it, they're doing it in part because they want to earn their regulated rate of return on it. But the question from our perspective here is, as a society or as regulators, should we allow that? Because if our ultimate goal is you know, widespread adoption of solar as soon as possible, wouldn't you want to at least allow the utility to fill wherever there's a market gap, even if on a temporary basis?
3: Well, it's not really temporary, right? I mean, a market gap, if you put a solar panel on someone's roof that's going to be there for 30 years, if the market could have reached them in two years or three years or five years, the market's never going to reach them then because that is now no longer on the table. So I, I would disagree with that.
1: Okay, I want to come back to the other piece of that in a minute, but a question for Lon. Um, In the few cases that we have seen historically, it's been more in commercial than residential, but the few cases where utilities have owned and operated or developed rooftop solar in their own territory, they've done so in a manner that was more expensive than what third parties were able to do. This is what happened in California and why the California utilities had their programs scaled back and focused more on third-party ownership. Is your view that utilities actually could compete on a price
2: basis with the very innovative, very nimble residential solar market as it is today? And that's a great question. So, when you know, when the utility jumps into this, they have to do competitive RFPs for the installer. They're not taking linemen and putting them on roofs all of a sudden, right? So you have uh, you have to have a competitive structure in place for the installer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the the past programs they. It, it's all about program design, and they might not have been designed in the best way to minimize costs. Now, APS did do a commercial uh, solar program many years ago, and after intense scrutiny, it was not more expensive than third parties. Um, so I want to just clear the record on that uh, point. I was deeply involved in that case, um, representing actually court side, believe it or not. So um, it, it can be done, um, and uh, I think... If if they adhere to these principles and start thinking creatively, and and maybe they have to make a few compromises that they normally wouldn't make in their traditional way of things, but way of doing things. But I think they can reach cost parity, and maybe a little bit below. Now that solars come down in price, you might not need a 14 cent offset for a utility. Mm. Right? They might be able to deliver at two cents for non-participants.
1: Court, I'm interested to get your opinion on the same matter because though that is true, historically, utilities generally, though I guess not in every case, have have ended up being more expensive. You're making an argument that utilities have an unfair advantage, so arguably they should be more competitive. Is your view that if you were to allow utilities to compete purely against third-party service providers, at least in some parts of the market, say low income or something like that, would they end up offering customers a better deal or a worse deal?
3: Well, I think there's a couple things there. So, one, they, they certainly have an unfair advantage from just a, a customer acquisition, a knowledge of the customer, um, and sort of a credibility standpoint when they come on, come to your door and, and you say, oh, well, you know, this other solar company was just here and they told me they could do it for this. Um, you know, The local utility says, yeah, but we've been here for 100 years. Who are those guys? You should do it with us. Um, but from a cost perspective, you know, I mean, utilities aren't famous for driving down costs, right? I mean, they're... they're Goal is to have it cost more, whereas my clients and companies that are out there competing with each other, their goal is to have it cost less so I mean just from from that standpoint, they may or may not be able to offer in unique circumstances something that, that is more or less competitive in arizona we 've seen um, the utilities are so interested in not having out of state solar providers, some of the largest and, and most efficient in the country, get involved in the market that they actually excluded them from the ability to even participate. Not that they wanted to, because they felt the whole program was wrong. Um, but they're, they're clearly not trying to deliver the best value to customers.
0: Can, can I just jump in and ask about, and get a real world scenario? So Lon, you're familiar with the APS and the TEP programs. Uh, were, the per, were the parameters that were outlined in those programs consistent with what you would want
2: to see in a utility ownership model? Largely. Um, not everything, but all the major policies and guardrails were put in place. And so um,
0: is that why the, the ACC decided not to decline the program and allowed it to go forward, these pilot programs?
2: That's my sense. You'd have to ask the yeah, commissioners yeah. actually voting on that.
0: Well, and, and Court, you, you talk about, I mean, you use cell phones as an analogy, and um, electricity is a fundamentally different product from cellular phones. We've designated electricity as a need. And if solar is an important piece of that electricity mix, why shouldn't utilities be able to serve that need and serve uh, underserviced, uh, low-income communities and so forth? I mean, using the cell phone model doesn't seem to stack up with with electricity, which is a fundamentally different product.
3: I wish, and I'm sure most of the people in this room, wish that people needed solar on their rooftop, right? Like, but the reality is you don't need it today. You just don't need it. I mean, you need power, and they're getting power. Um, But I think that what, and and I responded to Shale earlier, the idea that there are underserved markets that need to be served immediately, the underserved market of today is just the, the customer of tomorrow. And so if you let the utility get in there unfairly, tie up those customers, then there will be their customers forever, and they know that. And so the private competitive market will never have an opportunity to reach those customers. So, and, and having those customers out there is a big incentive to private industry to continue to innovate and drive down costs, drive down financing costs and, and hard costs. Uh, and so I think you, you need to have that out there for the good of the industry as a whole. Quote of the day, people don't need solar. Love it.
2: I said, I wish they did, but you, you
3: don't need to have it on your rooftop, do you? I mean, certainly a lot of people no, want it, and it makes financial sense. That would be great for marketing material for your company.
1: I'm interested uh, to... You,
2: you don't make, need this. Uh, I'm interested <laughs> to get a
1: comparison from you, uh, between utility energy efficiency programs and utility solar programs. So... Utilities, for a very long time, have been mandated by the regulators to run energy efficiency programs that do ultimately compete against third-party energy efficiency service providers. They don't own the assets. But apart from that, all the things that you're talking about with regard to fairness in the market seem to apply, in my mind. So are you opposed to utility energy efficiency programs as well, or do you see something different?
3: You know, I I honestly haven't thought about that all that much. Um, But to the extent they're out there and they're taking business away from the private industry, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, But I know there's certainly incentives that are involved that they use to allow private installers to, to go in and do more energy efficiency work and, and sort of use the public money through the, through the utility. Um, but I, I'm not sure that the utilities in Arizona anyway are themselves going out and, and, and doing that work.
1: No, but you have all across the country, you have utility programs for energy efficiency. A lot of times they're subcontracted, but they're still similar to what you have in APS and TEP. The installation will be some subcontracted. But it's still you know, competing with somebody else who could offer the same weatherization service or, or
3: whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely think that's wrong.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, We have just about 30 seconds left, so if you have any other questions.
1: Oh, hmm. I guess there's one piece that we haven't gotten into enough in my mind, which is the placing distributed energy or distributed solar assets in strategic locations in the grid where it's most valuable. So, Lon, from your perspective, you mentioned that as something that you'd like to see, this sort of heat map. But do you think that that impacts, like, should utilities be the ones placing assets in the right places on the grid where they provide the most value to the grid and defer distribution investment or whatever? Or do you just want
2: it to be open and transparent and third parties should do it? Sure. Um, well, as, as a former ratepayer advocate, I think the goal is if, if the utilities are going to jump into this, then they should maximize the, the benefits of the grid. And the key thing is we don't have to pay them extra to do it. They'll just do it. It's mm-hmm. not like we have to throw in an adder. Um, and, and so the reason why I brought that heat map example is saying, you know, to court's argument, well, they've got all this data that they can harbor and, and they know who to reach out to. Well, I'm saying make some of that information transparent to all market players. While at the same time, focusing the utility on best bang-for-the-buck locations as well.
1: Right, and, Court, presumably you would be in favor of opening up the heat map as long as utilities then aren't the ones who go fill it.
3: Sure, and, and if the policymakers desire to have you know more uh, a different style of location, or you know, there are certain locations that they pick out and say we want to focus there. There are certainly policies uh, within rates or you know expedited permitting that kind of thing that can encourage the market to go in certain locations that are of best benefit to the grid.
0: Great. All right. So I guess it's time for closing statements now,
2: and Lon, you get Jeez. to go first, and Court will wrap up. This is so this is happening fast. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just I don't think. That, that court is fully understanding what an, a regulated electricity market is all about. It is not a cell phone. When you buy a cell phone, it does not impact a non-participating cell phone you know, person, right? It's just, you don't, you don't have those types of of trade-offs in, in the system, and we're, they're not all connected. You can be on Verizon, I can be on AT&T. Um, and the other thing, of course, is solar is still connected to the grid, and you still need the utility there. Um, so, um, I, I think there's a disconnect there. I think, I think you're also wrong on name recognition. A, a bunch of different companies can jump into this market and have a, a great name recognition um, that people would respond to. Um, uh, and so let me conclude with, with this. Utilities play a fundamental role in providing affordable, reliable electric service uh, to America. Many are publicly traded with profit motives. Um, If DER is here to stay and blossom, then utilities have to be a part of that enabling toolkit. How they interact with the private market will depend on the economic incentives provided by regulators. More specifically, how they participate in the DER market will be shaped by local factors and policy goals. To have a knee-jerk opposition to sensible utility involvement is not constructive it can block ratepayers from the benefits that can come from utility involvement, and there can be a lot of benefits if done right. It can accelerate the deployment of the type of vibrant DER market that many of you want. Through participation um, with utilities, you can learn how to better manage and mitigate uh, DER. Uh, they can gain perspective on challenges. Developer space, whether it's communicating to customers, doing line side taps, you, may, you name it, now they're in your shoes to, to some degree. They can test out new technologies, offer creative services, provide additional values without the need for additional compensation. Um, they can also understand and help with the connectivity of the distribution system. So, utility involvement can help customers uh, that might not have been able to obtain DER and share in its benefits. And finally, they can, uh, through their participation, they can help absorb some of that revenue loss that can come from market transformation. And they can do that while, part- while providing a deal to non solar participants, which is a key party that we, we neglect a lot of times. So, in the end, it's about balance, and court
3: can go and refute that. Excellent, Great. court. Great. The last word is yours. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to be here today, Lon. It was fun. Um, I, I would say, look, I, you, haven't, you haven't convinced me. Shocking. Um, <laughs> I, I, You're not paid to be convinced. Look, <laughs> you've got a situation where I can go on Google, I can open the Yellow Pages, if that even still exists, and I can find hundreds of options for people to install solar on my rooftop. Right? Each one of them wants to give me a better deal than the one before. Each one of them has every motive in the world to land me as their customer and to give me the best deal possible. There is no need for a natural monopoly utility that's government regulated to step into that market. There's just no need for it. All of these advantages or, or benefits that you talk about with regard to locating it in the right place, um, you know, those things can be met by the private industry industries either through price signals or through coordination with the utilities uh, and the regulators. There's no reason, there's just no reason why the utilities need to come in and own it and compete. And no matter what you say, they can't compete on a level playing field. There's just no way that that's going to be possible. Go to any event in Arizona, go to any public venue, go anywhere. Um, not only did the utility, you know, is the utility's name on it, they probably paid for the place. So um, you're never going to have an even, anything close to an even playing field. Uh, and there's again, there's just no need for it. So um, you know, I, I appreciate the uh, the arguments on the other side, but I I'm not there.
0: And that is going to mark the end of the show. Thank you so much to Court Rich and Lon Huber for an engaging, spirited, and at times humorous debate. Uh, thank you very much to Sola for sponsoring this show. To browse the company's list of products and services, go to renasola.us. We are deeply appreciative of their support. To browse all our back episodes, go to greentechmedia.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. For the Energy Gang, I'm Stephen Lacey.